You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IVT Podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram Kivilevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. And we are continuing our investigation into the parameters of Tzadokah. I want to talk tonight about the hierarchy of the giving of Tzadokah. So I'm presenting to you the Loshan of the Rambam. You can see it on the screen. So a relative is primal. Sometimes we hate our relatives. But in terms of the tzedakah hierarchy, someone who you are a blood relative to, despite issues you might have with them, they are the ones that you should be giving to first. The Rambam then says, Now, is that just what he was talking about before when he says, Is that the relatives? We know, for example, um, you might have a brother, but your brother doesn't necessarily live with you. Is Beso mean the people who live in your house? Is that is it a shorthand? Could be. The Rambam could have written, though, you know, he could have said, as he writes in the next paragraph, Aniye Iro, Kodmanu Aniye Iracheres, the Aniyam of your city come before the Aniyam of another city. So here the Rambam reuses the word that he uses in this line, an Iairo. So why didn't he reuse Krovov, Kodim Laniairo? Why does he use the term Anie Beso? That seems to indicate that that Krovo Kodimakolota. That is like the ultimate, your relatives. Then you have something called Anie Beso. Anie Beso aren't necessarily your relatives, the same type of close relatives Rama was talking about. They might be, right, and, and that would be a question of us to try to investigate what that means. Um, now, your city comes before other cities. And the Rambam brings, uh, the Rambam bases himself, we had mentioned this last week, the Pasik in Parshas Re'eh, L'achicho, L'aniecho, Okay, crowning great achievement of Rechaim Kanievsky in, in, in his writing, they would probably, most people would say the Derech Emuna. Now he has a little bit of Hilchos Beis Abchira, the Derech HaKodesh, but he did not finish the Sefer Avoda uh, of the Rambam. He also wrote on the Rambam Hilchos Shkolim, called Shekel HaKodesh, and it's basically in the same format where he took the Mishnah Bura's template of explanatory notes that flesh out the words, along with, on the bottom, sources, and also um, various lengthy investigations, which he calls, again, sort of like these biurim, like the Be'er Alocha of the, of the Mishnah Bura. That was from Chaim Kanievsky's approach, and he applied it to those sections of the Rambam and Sefer Zerayim, he finished completely, and that is this work that Barilan recognizes as essential. In the same way, in the Shulchan Aruch, if you look in the Barilan Shulchan Aruch, you're going to see um, 
uh, Hebrew letters that take you to the essential commentary. In the Rambam, though, there's only one group of letters, and these are the letters that take you to Rav Chaim Kanievsky and the Derech Emunah. So, let's read Rav Chaim Kanievsky what he has to say. So first, he quotes a something that's quoted in the tour. Now, again, Rav Chaim felt that, especially in Eretz Yisrael, as whether it's Dorais or not, Trumois, Maestros, Klaim, um, things that have to do with Zroyim, things that have to do with things that plant, that grow out of the ground, Maestros, Trumos, Maestro Shani, he felt this was essential to be learning in Eretz Yisrael. The, whether it was the Medina that developed or just the fact that there were so many Jews there, this was an area of halacha that he felt needed to be learned more. And the Rambam was the key source. In Shulchan Aruch, there is areas that, that intersect, but the Rambam, he felt, was the main safer. In the same way, there are Svarim and Shulchan Aruch for Jews that were living in diaspora. The Jews of Eretz Yisrael need a Shulchan Aruch on the laws of Zeroyim the laws of Trumos and Maestros and other things, and Bikurim. Some of it is in, you know, hopefully in, in anticipation of the Beis HaMikdosh, as the Rambam's work was written. So he felt he was doing something that not only had not been done properly up until this point, but something that was essential for the new period of Jewish life that was the, the movement of so many Jews living in Eretz Yisrael. And that's why this safer is really, really so significant. Um, you know, it was interesting that when Rechaim Kanievsky was asked about Svarm that he was very proud of, one of them that he wrote, which is a beautiful safer on an area that he felt no one had really touched on and put together, that was the safer on Egla Rufa, on the laws of the of the of the of the Egil that that when a, a murdered a, a body is found murdered. And the laws around that. He he wrote a whole sefer called Nachalaitan that is again, you know, uh develops ideas and concepts uh based on the Gemaras, of course, and based on the Rishonim, but packaged together in a way that had never been done before. He was proud of that. Uh but I believe the sefer that will be most used is the sefer, especially part of, of course, of Seder Zrayim is Hilcha Shmita Viovil, and of course they're that is something which comes up every seven years. And he's already considered definitive, even outside of the Barilan database. So anyway, that is an introduction to Chaim Kanievsky and this work called Dera Hamuna. Let's take a look. He decided to add this. Let's take a look here in Sadi Vov. Even though we talked about giving to your relatives, but first, do you have enough? So in other words, I, I don't make enough money to give any tzedakah. So he says, You have enough, which is You have enough on a minimum, minimum scale. If you're so poor, you can't even make it. You don't even have enough bread for each day. So you, we're not going to make you give tzedakah. So even though you, you got a bunch of payments, and he says over here, Somebody who is 
sunken debt. He has a tremendous amount of debt. He's not potter from Stoka, but he says, Lo yarba Stoka. Okay. All right. So that's the first thing that, that the first hierarchy is take care of yourself. But even when you're in just barely enough, you should already start thinking about ways that you can give money, not just your time and energy, but money to Stoka. Okay. Who's the closest relative that you have? So, so the closest relative we have is your father and mother. Um, then comes your children. And they come before your brother. And then we have an interesting hierarchy, from as Rechaim explains, that you're, in terms of brother, it works with your paternal brother. Your paternal brother would come before your maternal brother, a brother only from your mother. Why? Because it has to do with Yerusha. The one that you, because you would not inherit from a brother who's only shared the same mother. Inheritance comes through the father. So therefore, he says that if you have two brothers, two half brothers, the one that you share the same father with, you would give more, you give tzedakah to more. Again, also in the same vein, krove atzmo kodm krove ishto. Even though you're married and your wife is saying, no, well, my relatives come before hers. Now, what about if it's a question of a woman versus a man? What a misleish bechol elu. That if a woman is in need of tzedakah, that she would get it before your before and here it is halacha tazayin perakas. You have a two orphans. Okay, and it costs money to find the hall, to find the caterer, to get them the right clothes. They need to be considered marriageable. You should involve yourself with the orphaned girl before her, before the orphan boy. Because it's embarrassing for her if you if you go to the boy, then the girl is going to have to do the embarrassing thing of begging for money, and it's a it's much more embarrassing for her to beg. So even so, therefore, in order to spare her the embarrassment, you're going to give the girl. You're going to take care of the girl's needs first. Now. This seems to be a cousin of the halacha before, which is ha'ish kodemis le'ish l'hachil. Let's say there's a question of an ani who's who's desperate for food. Who do you give the money to first? The the woman. Or let's say it's a question of enough clothing, and also to take out of the hostage situation. Because a man 
it can somehow find it within himself to go beg. Lo Aisha, a woman feels difficult begging. Uboshta Maruba, she just has inherently a greater sense of shame, and she won't do it. And since she won't do it, you have to take care of her because she is not moved as strongly as the man. Let's say they're both captives. And you know that the people who were captured them are going to have sex with the man as well. So in other words, captivity, of course, the greatest tzedakah. It comes before the poor that are part of our uh, society. Someone who's captive is probably, first of all, starving, thirsty. He probably doesn't have clothes. And there's clearly the chance he would die. The Rambam says there's many mitzvahs contained in not trying to redeem captives. He says, there's no greater mitzvah than pidyon shvuyim. So, we can now understand why the Rambam feels that girls should, who are captives should be taken first, because although death is possible for both of them, girls have the added idea that they will be raped. And that's why the Rambam says that if both are captives and we know the rapists are going to rape the men as well, the Rambam says, there you you try to get the man out first. Because this is a this is a type of embarrassment and and something they, they want to rape him. And therefore, if you can somehow save him from more rapes that would happen than you would save the man. So it's interesting how the Rambam views this. In other words, why are women given preference because of the embarrassment factor of their situation? But if 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 you take that away, where, like for example, in a Beis HaShevi, you would redeem the man first because of the embarrassment that would that would result from being raped. How you a fun of Aniyam Harbi? Let's say you have a number of different Aniyam, the Rambam says. And you don't have enough to take care of all of them. So the Rambam, based on the Mishnah and Horia, says, The Kohanim come first. Kohanim come before Leviim. Leviim come before Yisraelim. A Yisrael comes before a Chalo, who's someone who was born from an Isser sexual act between a Kohen and a Grusha or a Kohen, Godel and Almana. A Chalal comes before a Shtuki that we're not sure, we know who the mother is, we're not sure who the father is, a Suffolk Mamzer. A Shtuki comes before someone who we don't know who the father is either. And a Sufi comes before a Mamzer. A Mamzer comes before the Nesinim who were slaves originally 
but we're but actually of course um all um they claimed originally they were just another nation and they fooled Yehoshua and David again the Yeshua and David Amalek um confirmed their status that they would be given over to be doing the menial labor for Kohanim and others. And they had the status of Avodim. But they, you know, they basically um, had like a communal status as Avodim, but they were Geirim. But they were Geirim from the seven nations. And that's why it's interesting, as they developed as their own group, even though technically they had to serve, they weren't serving any particular person. Very strange type of situation in Asina. They weren't avodim parceled out to particular households, particular plantations, but they were a a group that originally had, as I said, their their ancestors had engaged in a, a, a very vile subterfuge in order to save their skin. Um, when it was when they were able to um, eke out from Yoshua an agreement that he would not kill them, and that they would be able to live and become converts, and then when it was discovered that they were from the Shivamim, Yeshua honored the treaty, and this was of course one of the reasons why uh, one of the sources that is brought for Israel and other countries to honor treaties, even though they might go against halacha. So the Nisian comes before a regular convert. The Nisian would be given Parnasa before a regular convert. Why? The Nisian, although he was like a secondary status, he's basically part of the Jewish world. Whereas the Geir, even though we we applaud his odyssey, we hold this against him in terms of tzedakah. And a Geir, comes before an Evan Mishukhrar, which is interesting. This is a this is a personal Evid who has been freed. Why? Because the Evid is part of the Orur that Noah gave, that Orur Knan. It's interesting that the sin is somehow above that because of the status that was applied to them through what happened with Yoshua and then later David. So this is, other than man and woman, which again, the hierarchy seems to be dependent on the fact of Busha, not because, right? Here we have a hierarchy, which is not politically too correct, is it? I mean, here we have this idea that the um, the the Mamzer comes before the Gertzedek. And therefore, in terms of tzedakah and pidyon shvuyim, even though there's a mitzvah haftemesager, chazal or koveya here, a hierarchy which keeps the gear on the outside. Now, the Rambam quotes this Mishnah and Horius where this is from, but he says, "Mother Ramurim b'shayushneim shavim b'chachma, avamoyer kohen gadol amaretz umamzer talmud chacham talmud chacham kodem." Now, it's interesting, the Rambam 
says that if one of them is a Talmud Chacham greater than the other one, Talmud Chacham somehow shoots you to the top of the list of who you should be giving tzedakah to. Because here you're, you're, you're supporting a Talmud Chacham. Now remember, even though the Rambam felt, of course, remember the way I explained it, the Rambam was against the Talmud Chacham putting himself in a situation where his whole livelihood depends on others. But that doesn't mean you don't give you don't give tzedakah to one who's needy. Remember, I explained that a number of weeks ago. The Rambam was against a Talmud Chacham class saying, we're not working and we're just going to depend on your, we demand you give to us. But if you're in a situation where you discover that there's this person who needs you, right, either for pidgin shvuyim or for just regular tzedakah, and he's a Talmud Chacham, he would get precedence. And if you have two Talmud Chachamim, you give it to the one who's the greater Talmud Chacham. Now, it's interesting, the Rambam, the, um, the Rambam doesn't say the ger. <laughs> the Rambam uses mamzer. And mamzer, of course, a tshuva source, Rav Chaim says that Mutter Adam was Zun Let's say you divorced your wife is you divorce your wife and you discover that she is in a state of poverty. You can give her tzedakah. In fact, he says, she actually has a status greater than than some other poor person in your city. Shenemar, Ubev Sarchalita Salim. Sir Chaim here is saying that she represents your bias, even though you have said you've divorced her. Interesting. Now she's not your blood relative and she never was, but she becomes like you. What does the Pasik say in Parshas Baratius? She was your wife. You were intimate with her. She is, despite the divorce, she is someone who's considered from you. But don't do it in a way where you meet her and you give her the envelope and you take her out and you say, uh, no, do it in a way through a shliach. Again, quite interesting, I think, in terms of factors change this hierarchy. Um, so Rechaim Kanievsky writes, in Bo Oni Osher Lilvos. Okay, now this is a different type of tzedakah, the tzedakah of a loan, not for a handout, but a loan. So when it comes to a loan, and this fellow who has money, I mean, he, he could sell items in his house, but he, at this point, it's, it's, it's difficult for him to do that. He says here, Oni Kodem. Even though the Oshir is his relative and comes from the same city. So that would be, again, Rav Chaim writes it about a loan, but what about Sadaka? What about you have a case where your relative 
can get this loan from others. And someone who isn't your relative doesn't have so many contacts. He doesn't do networking as well. So Rechaim's not sure. He says, Once again, he could he, he leapfrogs over the Karayv. So again, we have a case where a poor and your Karayv is rich. You have a case where it's a question of, you know he could go to someone else, whereas this poor guy can only go to you. What about Yevis there again? He would go with the guy who's further away because where else is he going to go? What about they're both they're both brothers, both the same level of closeness to you, blood-wise. But one's need, and this is what we talked about last week, one needs clothes, but the other doesn't have food to eat. So here, he says, Food is a greater need. As we see in halacha, you don't check a person for food. You know, he doesn't have to check his credentials. However, If someone is your, and I mentioned this last week, is your son, your father, your brother, and his needs is he doesn't have a business suit for his interview, and someone else comes to you because he just doesn't have, he doesn't have food on his table, so here we see, in this hierarchy, this hierarchy Although, again, sometimes there are other factors where it's in, there's an impossibility or less of a percentage they can get from someone else. Then Rav Chaim feels perhaps he can leapfrog because where else is he going to go besides you? But if there are others that could give, and that's not the situation, you give to the people closest to you even though there's a greater need for others. Even though the people who are not in your city have a greater need, you'll give to the people in your city who would you even call it a lesser need. Now, where does he get this from? Not from his own svara. He quotes the sefer of the Chofetz Chaim Avas Chesed. And he also quotes the Chsam Sofer and that the Chsam Sofer is quoted by the Bershana Rov. So this, I think, is a very important element for what we were talking about last week, that generally, this hierarchy stays firm. I mean, when he said Aniye Beiso, Sir Chaim says, that doesn't mean your relatives. <clears throat> That's the people close to your house. Not the people who live in your house, but the people next door, the people who sort of come into your house all the time. Again, you know, the, the people who are sort of your household, but not really. Shechenim, he says. Um, Rav Chaim says, Yesh Omrim, it's got to be that he doesn't have to live close by, but he has to definitely be in your house a lot. He's someone that you deal with a lot. Shcheno Nikra Imhu Rogo That's what the Ramba means, and it's based on the Rama and Shulchan Aruch also says, Shchenim. The Shchenim is someone who, who you're close with. Again, we all develop relationships with people more than others. 
It's a sad thing, but we're not all the same friends with one people, even people on the same block. There's people who, just because of the way sociological relationships work, we're more friendly with than the others. Those, Rav Chaim says, might be what the Rambam means when he says, Aniye Beso. But he says, there are new people who disagree with this. By the way, Rav Chaim's father-in-law, Rabbi Yoshev, felt that the idea of a shchuna, even if it's like a certain section that is qualified by the city or by the uh, you know the the machers in this area, we call this botayungarin, or we call this uh, um, you know whatever section we call ourselves. Rabbi Yoshev says. That's not machayu to give tzedakah within your shechuna. Shechenim are, it's, it's a reality. It's not because we decided we're calling this section a remote bit. And that's, of course, reflects a lot of Rav Yoshev's attitudes that we don't necessarily kowtow to the, the designations that, you know, the the secular or even re- religious society has decided to put names on these communities come before Aniye Chutzloritz. Then he quotes something which is not in the Shulchan Aruch, but is something that the Chassam Sofer quotes as a very well-known tzedakah tradition, which is Aniye Yerushalayim or Kodmim Moshar Eretz Yisrael. Now, that you should, now he says, V'kozadavke lahaktim. That means if everybody's equal, your shalayim comes first. The low lithos nefoshos. Now, im yesh liyoshva yerushalayim afil rak lechem tsar. If yerushalayim has food, but out the other cities have less. So again, we there's a leapfrog that occurs. We go with essential need. If the Yerushalayim community is not as desperate as the other community, then the other community leapfrogs over Yerushalayim. If they're equal, then Yerushalayim gets bumped up. Now, what about Yerushalayim versus your city? Well, here, Rebel Yoshev says clearly, well, a different city. Eretz Yisrael is first. But if tzedakah from your city, and a city, even according to Rebel Yoshev, has a significance. So the aniyam of your city come before Eretz Yisrael. Reb Chaim says it, Rebel Yoshev says it. So when people tell you you have to give to Eretz Yisrael before the aniyam of Elizabeth or wherever you're from, that is sheker. That's wrong. That's not true. If you're part of a city, and again, you know, it's hard that cities are much different today than they were in the time of the Middle Ages when cities were very small. You take the city of New York. Well, people who live in Flushing Meadows, people who live in Kew Garden Hills, should they give more tzedakah to the Jews of Williamsburg? Because technically it's the same city than they would for Ania Eretz Yisrael. I think it's a good question. Again, Rav Yoshev 
argues that sometimes you you know this gerrymandering, this creation of neighborhoods, is a, is a fiction. I'm wondering if maybe the fact that technically we're all part of New York means that these this means there are neem in your city, and that would mean that you would give to Ania uh, of your city before, even if the people in Eretz Yisrael are in more desperate than a desperate state. Remember, that's what Rav Chaim said before, that you'd give to your relative, you know, unless you're a situation where the person doesn't have anything to eat at all, or your relative can't find the person who you're going to select who has no other option. But assuming there are other options, you would you would provide tzedakah for the people in your city even though they're not in as a desperate state as the people in Eretz. So he says clearly, even if the Kroivim have the basic needs, but need tzedakah for whatever it is, a payment, a car, something that they're missing, they come before other Aniyim in the city or Eretz Yisrael, even though the people in Eretz Yisrael are super desperate. That is the psak of of the Chafetz Chaim, the Psak of Rebel Yoshev, the Psak of Rebel Chaim Kanievsky. And it's all based on the Makairis that, that they have examined. I think it's important. Rebel Yoshev was asked about providing Tzedakah. And we talked here again about, we saw in Shulchanar, in the Rambam, it speaks about a Yosem and a Yosoma in terms of who you're going to pay for their marriage expenses. Rebel Yoshev was asked about a situation of sort of a Yosem and a Yosoma, but they were Gerim, a Ger and a Gioris, who didn't have their families backing. So, you have people coming to your door. You have people saying, I need money to get my, to pay for the wedding of my daughter. And then you have a situation where you have a convert and his a convert, a woman convert and a male convert who are hoping to get married. So they asked, they said to Rebbe Yoshev, this is similar to what we saw in, in, in Rav Chaim, who's, you know, nobody's helping them. Of course, you're not the only one that can help them. Others can help them too. So look at Rebbe Yoshev answers. He says, Mitzad din ain't din kedima. In other words, the ger and the geiris do not come first. Ach, Mitzad, but we don't want the gear to feel that they are second class. Because in this situation, it could lead to them clearly knowing, and they're not getting enough money, that they could feel that they were hated, not loved, not taken care of. F. Sherry says, Lishanos esahalocha to get, put them at the head of the line. It's interesting how Rabbi Yosha was willing to play with this. It's biblical, it's midraita, it's like really, really true, hard. but not necessarily. That's in terms of pain of giving them pain, but not necessarily in terms of giving them tzedakah, right? It's in terms of you. You have no right to oppress them. This is not oppression. When you don't give someone money, when they ask you for money, you're not oppressing them. But Rabbi Yosha was worried that they would consider it as if they were being pushed away. 
And therefore, Efshar, let's give them Kadima. Now, Rebel Yosha was then asked, is it because that that this is the mitzvah of 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 loving a ger, misameach lev ger, and and, and uh, is this part of avas hagerim? Is that what it's about? So Rebel Yoshev gave a cryptic answer. His answer was, "Look, the pasuk says you have to love the ger. You have to feel." A connection to the gear and want to give to him. So you 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 work you benefit on his behalf, but it doesn't sound like a Yoshev. He didn't say yes. <laughs> he says it says a hafter Okay, hafter means that you have to try to give and do things for him, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to give him tzedakah over someone else. So he, again, Rabbi Yoshev said, I think we can, in other words, he was ready to tell the person, let's give them more. And again, I, I think you see from here that there's a sort of an elasticity to this hierarchy. I want to really take it back to where all of this started, which is a Mishnah and a Horios. So let's take a look at that. Yaveros that Sanhedrin had a Yad in, together with the Averis that the Kohen Gadol might have allowed himself to do. And the Mishnayus dealt with the Kohen Gadol and the Kohen Gadol's carbon, which is called the Par Kohen Gadol, when he allows himself to do an Averis that Yechayev Kari's for, as Horios deals with the Psak the Sanhedrin gives that, that had Klal Yisrael doing these Averis. So the, the Mishnah, Mishnayus and Horios deal with the different levels of Kohen Gadol and which Kohen Gadol would bring such a carbon. Once the Mishnayis was doing that, the Mishnah went into, as you can see, let's say you would have two Korbanos, a carbon of the Tzibor, of the sun, that because they, the Sanhedrin had ruled in a way that they all started to do a, a very Yerchaev Karis, or a rove of the populace didn't have Erechayev Kares for. They discover they were wrong. and They have to bring a carbon. Either the Sanhedrin brings it or the Shvatim bring it. And then you have another carbon that's brought by the Kohen Gado, who for his own personal life has allowed himself to do an Avera Yerechayev Kares for. They're both called, a, they're both bulls and they are dealt with in extremely the same fashion. And now the question is, you're in the base of Mikdash, and you have both of these bulls, which one goes first? So the Mishnah says, First of all, whichever carbon is more usual comes first. So that would mean that you would bring the carbon Tamid before you bring the carbon Musaf. Okay. A carbon that has more Kedusha comes before a carbon of less Kedusha. Kotre Kotchen before Kotre Kalim, a Chattas before a Shlomim. And therefore, interestingly, if you have Para Mashiach or Para Eda, they're both bulls, Para Mashiach Kodem. Hmm. The Para Mashiach comes first. Now, is it more Makudish? It's from the Kohen Gado? 
The Mishnah doesn't really explain it better. You want the person who's involved in the Kapara to be free of his Averos before he's involved in helping others. So then the Mishnah goes into other things where what comes first. So look at this. Ha'ish kodem When it comes to, not like we read in the Rambam seemingly, but when it comes to actual life or death. Aha. And uh, to give Aveda back first, even though that's money. But Ha'isha Kodemis Laish Liksus Lahotsimi Beis Hashevi. So the Rambam assumes that getting Bigodim, which of course is a busha for a woman to walk around naked, is similar also to getting for tzedakah. So where what's Lahachios mean then? So Lachis doesn't mean to give food for tzedakah. It's a question of life or death. Men come before women. But in terms of tzedakah, where it's not life or death, there, women come first. And then we have this hierarchy putting gear at the bottom. The, the Gemara explains how Kohanim have more Kedusha than Levian. And Levium have more Kedusha than the Yisrael. And explains why a Mamzer is better than a Sin. Now, it sounds like we can apply why you would save a man before a woman. So the Rambam, in his commentary on the Mishnah, says that the reason is, is because men have more mitzvos. I have to tell you that someone that I was teaching, a girl, was extremely upset by this Mishnah and felt that they could almost not even accept Torah Shabbat if this Mishnah is true. I pointed out, showing this girl, this young woman, the Rambam, that the Rambam does not pask in the first part of this Mishnah. He doesn't say that if, if, if a man and a woman are drowning, that you save that you save the man and not the woman. Despite the fact that the Mepharshah Mishnah say that. But it's not in Halacha. The Halacha doesn't say that. You can't find it in the Rambam. That you would say you do find again the hierarchy of tzedakah, but you don't find the idea that you would save a man before a woman. It's implied if you take a look at the next Mishnah, when the Mishnah speaks about, you know, a rav versus you know a Talmud Chacham. Is it possible that when it comes to human life, everything is equal? Actually, I don't believe it's true. <laughs> I'm not saying that I don't feel that way, and sometimes I do. But I think that um, the I think the the, the poskim of halacha, even as early as the Rambam, were sensitive 
to this statement. Okay, so Dr. Kogan is trying to explain why, even if it would be a question of whose life to save, we would save the man over the woman because you wanted to say because his contribution to society would be greater. In other words, I, I don't know. We, we, it's not contribution to society. It's, if you say man, it will save more. More right, people. that's what I mean. That's what I mean. I mean, in other words, by him, he will probably start a family and be the person who will, who will, on his shoulders, will take care of many others. Whereas a woman, although she's crucial in many ways, won't. Um, the Rambam in the Parish of Mishnah, let's just see what he says. He says that it has to do with mitzvos. <clears throat> Men have more mitzvos than women. And therefore, he's holier than her. And therefore, when it comes to saving her life, she would come first. That's the Rambam. Um, what say that, say that again? I was. It's in a... It says you. He says it's a, it's well known that men have to do all the mitzvos. Women do less mitzvos. Therefore, the fact that you have to do so many more mitzvos makes you more makudish than her you're you're you are invested with more holiness than the woman is so you're more valuable spiritually so therefore yes we're going to say i thought i thought the judaism hold that women have a natural uh holiness and that's why they they're they're free from doing mitzvot because they have a natural holiness that transcends right i don't believe i don't believe that is something the rambam agrees to as, as this as this as his I, I could not find it codified anywhere in any of the, right, in terms of uh, in terms of this. Now, this did not necessarily satisfy the young woman I was talking to. <laughs> she still saw it as a as as something that devalued the life of women. She was now again. I, I mentioned to her that it would seem that if you if the woman was a greater scholar, right that perhaps that might outweigh things, right? The same way a mamzer, right. a Kohen, a Talmud Chochem is bigger than a Kohen, Godel. Well, if that but, were the case, the, the Chachamim would have a difficulty defending their position. So They seem right, to be boasting it on that. Right, so it would seem that if she is herself a scholar, that she would over, but, but the question is, all things being equal, you have this. So really you have a, this is why I call today's class, you know, politically incorrect assumptions, men versus women. And similarly, when it comes to um, Gayrim being on the bottom of the rung here, but I am heartened, first of all, by the fact that it's not codified in Aloha. And secondly, you have Poskum like Rebel Yoshev saying, that this whole hierarchy can be altered. This hierarchy is not set in stone. If there there are mitigating factors, and I think that's important to hear, um, and that what, what especially you know if if if, and I think that's that's crucial. Should this be something that should be erased from the halachic pages? I don't know. I think there's something glorious about seeing a Mishnah that talks about the greatness of, of learning. Um, 
the idea that the the similar mission above Metzia that says that you return your Rebbe's object before your father's because your father brought you in this world and your Rebbe brings you into Olam Haba. Now, isn't, let, me, let me be clear. It isn't so much acting upon that, but the idea that's expressed that the next world is the more essential one. So would most people follow this and basically shun their dad? I would think most people might breach that law, especially if their dad is right in front of them and they're afraid of the repercussions. But the fact that it's in the books, that there's something holy and great about the world to come that your Rebbe is able to provide for you, I think having that in the, in, in, in the halacha, in the original source, is inspiring. Although, even if it doesn't find practical manifestation, and I would say the same thing here. My, my, my the, the woman, the young woman I was teaching didn't accept that. But I think there's something important, and I think both of you are agreeing in a way, there's something important about hearing about the inherent holiness that mitzvahs give. Now, I know what you said, Richard, that they don't need it. There is, they have such holiness, they don't need those mitzvahs. Well, that's the explanation given when a woman brings up this. Yes, but, but, I, but, but I think for us, for, for I think if our listeners are men, or even women, they should realize that mitzvahs demand and, and imply a great holiness about us. As we say, we become holy through the mitzvahs. It's interesting, it's not so much doing the mitzvah, but even the fact that we are commanded to do them invests us with a holiness. But that means... Then, go ahead, go ahead, finish. Yeah, because that means we have a job that we can do, right? That right. So if we have this, God wants this done, and we are the, the agents that are chosen. And that's, that's, that's a kedusha that, that, that is a responsibility. So, uh, so instead of chest thumping and saying, ah, <laughs> they're going to save me and not her, which, again, practically, it doesn't seem to be, you know, mentioned, although, again, it's in the mission, I'm not going to deny that. I think what we need to take is the responsibility factor of what that means. I think that's that's the idea that I think we have to come out of it. And the other aspects here, I think, are open, especially if it's going to lead to hatred, it's going to lead to women's revolts, it's going to lead to Garam feeling that they are uh, in a, a, a second class. So we need to say, look, all right, mitigate, these elements mitigate. And that's a balance that doesn't necessarily mean that we're erasing the book. And I don't Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you liked what you heard. If you did, please take a moment to share this or any of the many episodes available on our platform with friends in order to help grow our community. Until next time, Shalom. Shalom.